Welcome to this episode of Respond to Resilience, along with my co-hosts, Dr. Stacey Raymond and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW, EMTB. I'm David Dashinger. On this episode, we'll be speaking with retired Captain Dan Willis, author of the award-winning book, Bulletproof Spirit. Our topic, first respond to wellness, trauma recovery, and resilience. We invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Respond to Resilience. We're on Facebook, Respond to Wellness, Inc., bbsradio.com, Apple Podcasts, and visit our website, respondertv.com. So we'll be right back to speak with Dan Willis in a minute. In this family, more of us die by our own hands than by the hazards of the job. In this family, up to a quarter of 911 dispatchers have symptoms of PTSD. In this family, our mental health and wellness are in crisis while responders are quietly suffering. In this family, many struggle with job-related stress, burnout, trauma, sleep disruption, substance abuse, and marriage problems. In this family, we can help the helpers with vital information and resources, resilient strategies, and success stories of overcoming the obstacles. In this family, no one is alone. Welcome to Respond to Resilience with co-hosts, retired Lieutenant David Dashinger, Dr. Stacy Raymond, and Bonnie Wimley, LCSW, EMTB. And it's an honor to welcome to Respond to Resilience, Captain Dan Willis. Dan's the author of the Wellness and Resilience Guidebook, Bulletproof Spirit, the First Responders Essential Resource for Protecting and Healing Mind and Heart, which is required reading at the FBI National Academy. Dan served for 30 years with the La Mesa Police Department in California, in part as a crimes of violence, child molest, homicide detective, also SWAT commander and wellness unit and peer support coordinator. He's a graduate of the FBI National Academy, where he studied emotional survival, wellness, and resiliency. Dan's an instructor for the National Command College, the International Academy of Public Safety, and he's taught to over 7,000 peace officers in 35 states and Canada. Welcome to Respond to Resilience, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. And um, there's so much to talk about, so... um, Stacy, why don't you lead it off with your first question? Sure. Um, so you have these, uh, the book, The Bulletproof Spirit, uh, talks about um, helping first responders through survive their careers. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about it, what is wellness for first responders in your own words? Sure. I think most first responders uh, feel that wellness is being physically fit physically healthy, free of disease, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is so much more than that. And uh, I think we really need to expand our whole concept of exactly what wellness and resilience is, because it really involves not just the physical, but the emotional, the mental, and uh, most importantly, in my opinion, the spiritual health and wellness and fitness. And emotional wellness is the ability to uh, feel, to not become emotionally numb, or dead inside or, or callous to be able to have compassion and empathy in our service. Um, mental fitness is the ability to consistently make good decisions, to uh, be, be reasonable, uh, be able to um, uh, have that purposed intention on what we, what we're doing to respond to things in a reasonable and a compassionate manner. And the spiritual fitness deals with keeping that drive within our hearts to make a meaningful difference to do as much good as we can with every single call, to be a compassionate 
in our service to try to do as much good as we can to, to be the good amidst all the bad to reinforce our character mm-hmm. um, and just to be uh, that positive ennobling influence rather than letting all the negative and darkness of the job uh, deteriorate our, our whole quality of life and service. That may be a good segue into the next question, but what are some of the warning signs that you see that a first responder is becoming a victim of their profession? Well, I think sleep is usually the first thing that goes. And there was a study of 5,000 peace officers by the Harvard School of Medicine that found that on average, we sleep about four hours a night, four to five hours. And we need seven Mm -hmm. or eight, your brain needs seven Mm -hmm. or eight hours to function uh, it's it just absolutely essential to have good, deep sleep for your brain to process through the traumas, uh, the everyday work experiences that we have. And uh, as you find out you're getting less and less sleep, or once you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't fall back to sleep, you have early morning wake up. I mean, all these things are uh, a sign that something's going on inside. Also, uh, becoming uh, numb calloused, unable to feel. That's how work affected me more than anything else was becoming mm-hmm. what I call emotionally dead inside, where you're just kind of there. You, don't, you just don't feel things or excited oh, about mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. and work like I used to. Uh, another sign becoming more and more isolated, yeah, isolating ourselves, uh, just disinterested, de- detached, and disengaged with life and activities that we used to really enjoy. Um, Drinking as a perceived need, uh, my opinion, uh, the two worst things we do to ourselves in this profession is isolate ourselves and drink. Right. Um, it could, mm-hmm. Because it really inhibits our brain's ability to constructively deal with the traumas and recover, recover mm-hmm. from it. Uh, feelings of depression, uh, maybe having intrusive thoughts, uh, uh, uncontrollable emotions, uh, just, just basically things happening within that was never there before. And often officers, uh, first responders, uh, I think, feel like maybe they're, uh, they're losing control. Their life's kind of spinning away from them, and they don't know what's going on, and they don't relate it back to the years of trauma that they have experienced day in and day out. What do you think they're saying to themselves when they start, when they, I mean, because at some point you realize that you're not on your A game. What do you think they're saying to themselves in their heads? Um, it, it's really difficult because we don't want to think that something's wrong with us. You know, that, uh, admit that maybe, um, you know, we're weak. Well, you're not weak. There's not anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. If you start to have, um, uh, some issues with work traumas because we're human beings and we see things no human being was meant to deal with and yeah. we fear, we suffer, we bleed like everybody else. And the more that we try to pretend that we're not supposed to, the more vulnerable we're making ourselves to suffer from the things mm-hmm, that we see mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. in and day out. So I think we just kind of bury it. We ignore it. We uh, hope it'll go away. We think we can outlast it. I'll get better. Right. Uh, and before long, you know, we, we end up turning into someone maybe our loved ones don't recognize anymore or, or someone that maybe you don't even recognize anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Dan, your, your book is full of uh not only great points about, you know, what may be going on with us as responders with numbness and burnout and some of the other um, pitfalls that come along with this job, but also 
uh, amazing tools and tips and strategies. Can you share a little bit or explain a little bit about some of the wellness strategies that strengthen resilience? Sure. The first thing I want to mention uh, along those lines is, is for any first responder to, um, you know, I want you to be as successful as you possibly can in this great career to have it be as fulfilling and meaningful for you. And in order to do that, you've got to maintain your wellness and work at it daily. Every day, every call is an opportunity to practice resilience and wellness mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. to uh, enhance it. But these are great honorable and noble professions. And I think often we lose sight of all the good that we can do day in and day out um, and the value that we are and offer to not just the country, but our community, to our brothers and sisters we serve with and, and those that need us and need us to be healthy and well and strong. Um, something about uh, resiliency, again, every single call is an opportunity to strengthen resiliency because resiliency is very much like physical fitness. The more that you practice it and build upon it, the stronger it gets. The more that you neglect it or are indifferent to it, the more it's going to deteriorate. So every call matters in the long run with how we deal with it. Um, So I I see every call or every supposed negative bad experience as an opportunity to uh, choose your character to uh, respond to. I mean, horrible things are going to happen to us, right, in this profession. Um, That doesn't really matter. What is all important is how we choose to respond to those things. And and that's a conscious intention to purposely ask yourself, what can I do good in this moment? Even if you're the only good, um, how can I respond to this in a way that's going to be constructive, that's going to uh, enhance resiliency, um, that's going to help me to recover, Every every uh, call is an opportunity to, uh, as I say, choose your character, uh, to, to, just to do something good. To use the, you know, so there's a lot of officers that uh, uh, have in their past judo or jujitsu, and one of the principles of that is to use the opponent's energy they're putting into the fight and turn that around mm-hmm. on them. Right. Mm-hmm. And a resilience strategy is kind of the same concept of using the momentum of a negative experience and flipping around as something positive, something mm-hmm. to learn and yeah. grow from, maybe having that conscious intention of I'm going to get through this and what can I learn from it? So maybe I can help somebody else later on who goes through the same thing. All of those things are, are, are you having control of how you respond and recover as opposed to just being a victim of some horrible circumstance. Right. I unloaded 32 years of emotion. This job isn't a joke, and it can hurt you. How does yoga or meditation help with that? Coming to terms with who you are. You know, nobody calls us because they're having a good day. It's really the suicide that becomes a huge issue. People are more trustworthy with the dog. Sleep deprivation helps them either be better or worse. Completely secretive when we started this. So it's pretty much taboo. Take care of the people next to you first responders really be open about what they're struggling with if we know that let's raise awareness brings you together to talk about it and it tells you you're not alone in your book you write about your 30 years of police service and we all know that first responders um, the jobs they do are really a vocation of the heart 
Can you talk a little bit about why compassion is really the DNA of the service we do as first responders? It's a, it's absolutely essential. And that's the one thing that enabled me to love this job every single day, despite all the horrible things I experienced over 30 years. And I, I miss it every day. It's one of my first thoughts when I wake up is I wish I was still a cop. Uh, And the main reason for that is uh, I was mostly tuned into all the potential for good that I could do each day. And, and what compassion really does is it empowers the good that you can do because you're sharing the power of the heart. The heart has a tremendous capacity to heal uh, to motivate you, to inspire you, to help you process things and, and move forward. And uh, the heart is even more powerful than the brain. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, energy right. and ability to heal. So uh, serving with compassion is, is being selfless and, and really uh, uh, using your heart to empower the good that you can do. And that's what's what's so influential with other people because they, um, they receive that uh, power that uh, whether it's kindness, whether it's uh, uh, understanding, whether it's going out of your way to do something maybe you didn't have to do, but you saw a need and was driven by your heart to fill it, to try to do something about it. Again, to try to be the good amidst all the bad. And when you have compassion behind that, that's mm-hmm. what exponentially empowers that to do even more good and, and be helpful to other people. I, I, I talk about a lot that other than love, Probably being helpful and useful is one of the most basic human needs, and compassion is a big part of that. And how uh, first responders are useful in all the meaningful ways that they can in their agency, with their colleagues, within the community, and the people that that need us, that's going to determine the quality of your life and the, the quality and fulfillment of your career. I'm sorry, I have like a second piece of that question I wanted to ask. Uh, can you talk about the scientifically proven benefits of serving with your heart? Yes, uh, everything that uh, I'll be sharing with you guys this, uh, today and what's in the book, it, it's not just me saying it, even though I, I've lived it, I experience, I know it works. Uh, there's a lot of science. There's a lot of research. It's all evidence-based. And there's a lot of science behind the benefits of serving with compassion and trying to do as much good as you can. For one, it, it um, relieves anxieties, it uh, lessens depression, it um, enhances emotional and, and mental wellness, it increases longevity, it enables you to connect and to relate to, relate to people in uh, more deep and meaningful ways. Um, it, um, it fosters uh, motivation. So you have more job satisfaction, you feel good about what you're doing, you have a sense of purpose because you see the effects of, of what you're doing. Um, and even even if you're trying to make a difference and it doesn't work out, you know, we would like it to, but that doesn't really matter. It's our effort in the moment of trying to serve with compassion to make a meaningful difference that is always going to be productive of wellness for us and resiliency. I think what's interesting is that might the thought of compassion for self is so important for first responders in order to find compassion for others. And I think sometimes that might be counterintuitive, but sitting here listening to you and what you're saying, it seems to me that if they can find the compassion for themselves and really work on that first, they would be able to do even more for the world. 
right? But uh, I agree. But I would I would always say, don't wait for that because um, you could be working on that and, and thinking about your own problems and issues and, and, and things and missing many opportunities to do good. And it's that doing good for other people in meaningful ways that's going to help uh, uh, renew your energies and your motivation and, and your satisfaction. But it's, it's absolutely essential. If we're not taking care of ourselves, and it's like on the airplane, right? Where do they say if you've got a kid, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child? Uh, and it's the foundation of officer safety. It's the foundation of good tactical response. It's the foundation of meaningful, effective service. It's the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. Being able to take care of ourselves so that we can be mentally, emotionally, physically totally present, able to handle whatever comes our way. Fairfield County Trauma Response Team is a nonprofit alliance of mental health professionals dedicated to helping first responders heal from trauma, tragedy, and stress. We help as they manage community crises and the everyday demands of ensuring public health and safety. Established in 2011, FCTRT was formed in response to a call for emotional help from the Stanford Fire Department after a traumatic fatal fire. Less than a year later, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting occurred, and members again served the first responder community. Most recently, COVID-19 created a need for our support. We provide free educational presentations, pro bono sessions to deal with community disasters, and an extensive referral service to trauma-informed psychotherapists. If you're a responder in Fairfield County and need help dealing with duty-related stress, please reach out to us so you can continue to do the job you love. Visit our website at fctrt.org or find us on Instagram at Fairfield County TRT. We talk a lot about trauma on this show and the effects it has on someone, especially as a first responder. Um, and in some of your wellness strategies, you speak about gratitude and meditation. Can you talk a little bit specifically about how those are beneficial to responders, particularly who are um, suffering with some of the uh, debilitating effects of trauma? Sure. There's a lot of science, again, behind the uh, benefits of being grateful and not just feeling gratitude and seeing the good in our life, but being able to express gratitude. Uh, to other people, which, which mm-hmm. actually helps to uh, heal re- and nurture relationships. But uh, gratitude is absolutely essential because, especially in our profession, we see so much darkness and evil uh, and heartache day in and day out. We tend to just focus on that. And that's all we see. And uh, e- even though you might have a, a really disturbing call and you come home, you can at least think about. I have a home to come to. Uh, I live in America, right? Yeah. And, uh, in a prosperous, free society. I have a, a great job. I have a wife. Or you know, We still have all these good, wonderful things. We always right. have far more good in our lives, no matter how terrible things are. There's mm-hmm. far more good mm-hmm. if we just open our eyes and look at it. And, and the more that you're able to be aware and appreciate all the good that really is there, the less we tend to dwell on the negative, the more resilience you're going to have, the more able you're going to um, pick yourself up and respond to those negative experiences because you're kind of empowered by the good that's a natural part of you and, 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 and your natural support that's all around you. 
you know, if we look at what first responders do, they're in the bad news business, right? So I think then, you know, there, and you've mentioned this many times in the, in your book that the spirit becomes depleted and it kind of just, kind of, you know, what your job ends up sucking the life out of you. And so if, like as police officers, they're always looking for the criminal. People, they, when people are talking to them, they're, they're always thinking that maybe this person's lying to me. Um, any fire calls, EMS calls, there's something bad happening, right? It could be a medical call. It could be a destruction of property with a fire. So how do you help first responders then not see so much all of the negativity? Well, right? you're, you're always going to see it. But in every bad, disturbing call, there is something good that, that you can do. I mean, you, you go to a house fire and maybe the whole family's dead. What, what good am I going to do here? Well, maybe you put your arm around your colleague who really seems to be struggling oh, yeah. and say, yeah. hey, are you okay? Or let's come over here and get a drink of water. So, I mean, there's just just um, saying to yourself, what good can I do here? Mm-hmm. Uh, ideas will come. Um, you, but you got to be wanting, you got to be aware, and, and you got to uh, ask that and be purposed of, about it. There's, there's always, like I said earlier, even if you're the only good, there is something good that's constructive, that's going to be helpful to somebody else or useful, um, at least in your attempts to be so, uh, with, with somebody else, whether it's a colleague or a victim, um, whatever. There, there's countless opportunities for us to do something that's going to be useful again feeding that most basic human need and, yeah. and every, mm-hmm. every am I, I know this to be an absolute fact every good positive compassionate helpful thing we do tends to erase a lot of the past traumas I just always say that's just how our minds work that's how God wired us up so, so the more good constructive things we're trying to do again to be meaningful to make a difference, the more we're, we're releasing and processing things and not letting mm-hmm, them build mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an inherent nature of trauma. It's going to build up and yeah. making us more and more vulnerable for your brain to sustain that injury, which is the precursor of post-traumatic stress. So mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the more that you can do with every call to work through that, the better off you're going to be. So kind of keeping your mind open and looking for opportunities. So even if you showed up to the house fire and the family's dead, finding some other, you know, who else can I, how can I be helpful in this situation? Right. Exactly. Um, and, and again, it's, it's just, it could be anything like maybe uh, the dog survived and you find right. someone who's going to take care of the dog. Or, I mean, it's just anything to try to do some good in the moment. Right. Or maybe, maybe you're burying the, I know firefighters that uh, family members uh, asked the firefighter to bury their dog because they were too, traumatized Upset. to do that. Right. Yeah, 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 right, you know, right, right. It could be someone like, you know, bury it yourself, you know, <laughs> we got other things to do. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the most meaningful things that we do usually take the, the least amount of time. And uh, if we have time, I just want to share a real short story of a, mm-hmm. a, a volunteer fireman on the East Coast. And as he tells the story, he says, if you're not the very first volunteer there, you're going to get some stupid assignment, you know, watching the fire hose outside or whatever. You're not going to really get in there and fight the fire. So this call comes out of a house fire in the middle of the night. Uh, he goes there. He goes running up just to see another volunteer get right in front of him. And he gets the assignment, the guy in front of him, to go inside to, uh, to uh, help help with the other firemen fighting fire. And 
he looks at this person and goes, okay, what I need you to do is go in the house, go upstairs and uh, get, this get this woman a pair of shoes. <clears throat> and, you know, he's all crestfallen. This, this is my years of training. I'm going to go save a pair of shoes for this lady. And the homeowner, she was standing out. It, it was cold. It was the middle of the night. She was wearing her nightgown and her bare feet. So uh, he does this. And then a few weeks later, the department gets a letter from her. And the first thing she mentioned that she yeah. said impacted her more than anything else was she said, <laughs> and there was even a fireman that brought me my shoes. And thank you for doing that. And, and when this fireman was telling the story, he had tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Just a simple act. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, somebody hearing that, this might think, it, it, you know, that's stupid. What's that going to do? You don't realize the power of the heart when it is infused into situations to try to be helpful and useful. Mm-hmm. That's why we became first responders in the first place, right? To be useful, right. to help people, to protect and Make enable life. Make a exactly. difference. Even if you can't save every life that you try to, there are way, other ways that you can make a difference. Exactly. This is uh, so important because um, we speak to a lot of first responders who've lost the connection to that purpose and, and, mm-hmm meaning to be of service. Um, this is such a simple way and uh, on a daily basis where you can reconnect to that purpose. Would you uh, agree with that, Dan? Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's the constant drumbeat of trauma day in and day out that really helps us to be disconnected to that purpose. I think a lot of first responders, when they think of trauma, they think of a shooting or you know, something horrible, a house fire that kills everyone or a riot. Mm. It's, you know, how many suicides can you go to? How many child molest cases? How many dead kids? How many fatal car collisions? How many acts of, of uh, senseless violence? And on and on and on and on before your brain is shocked or injured and just kind of starts shutting down. think something you're providing the listeners is something really tangible, though, to look every day at your shift or when you're on duty at work and find that one thing of compassion that you can do for a colleague or for one of your patients on scene or wherever you go, you can always do one good thing. And I think that's so tangible because it's daunting for people to look at the big picture sometimes. But when you break it down in such simple but such meaningful fashion i think it's unbelievable absolutely and again it's just asking what what good can i do here it might even be as you're leaving a scene going back to the victim are are you going to be okay Mm -hmm. are you all right Um, if you need something else please call i'll try and get some resources for you just Mm -hmm. know what's Mm -hmm. that going to take 20 seconds right but it's things like that that victims never forget for the rest of their life and that really help empower us uh, to do even more good. 
uh, Dave mentioned about meditation as well. Um, but I've been meditating for over 35 years, just kind of how I was brought up. And uh, I can tell your listeners that, that probably the best gift you could ever give yourself is to develop a daily habit of meditation. And uh, if you can just kind of remove um, your preconceived uh, notions of what meditation is, it, it's really just focused on slow, deep breathing and uh, not clearing your mind completely because that's impossible, but just focusing on one concept for maybe five minutes that evokes a very, very positive emotion. So uh, uh, slow, deep breaths, big breath in. It's important to breathe through your nose, hold it for as long as you can, and then much more slowly breathe out of your lips. Just keep repeating that and think of something that evokes uh, either something of gratitude or think of some someone you love very dearly. Think of your kids when they're little, uh, a peaceful place you'd like to be in, and just hold that one thought, being focused on your heart, feeling your heartbeat uh, while you're taking these slow, deep breaths. That's that's meditation. And then you can expand upon it. You can uh, ask yourself questions in that quiet, uh, how can I deal with this problem? Mm-hmm. What can I do that's mm-hmm. going to be helpful to get me through this? Just sit there. And because you're really op- meditation is a way to open the door to our intuition uh, to get some insights into issues or problems and how we might be able to uh, move forward with them. And there's a, a ton of science. I mean, people are meditating for thousands of years and there's a ton of science about it has effects that last all day long. I like to do it in the morning before I get out of bed when it's nice and quiet uh, for five or 10 minutes or so. And it helps keep you more calm all day, more centered, more able to uh, be focused. Uh, better able to respond to uh, stress and challenges and better able to recover from it. So uh, I always tell people, just just try it. Practice it every day for a week and see how you feel. There's a, I don't know if you guys are aware, but in San Diego, San Diego PD, an agency of 1,800 police officers, they do uh, mindfulness meditation for 10 minutes at lineup before they go out in the field. That is so progressive. (laughs) And, and, and that it's, is so progressive. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and they, the officers really love it. And um, I bet, yeah. And they, 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 they yeah. talk about how it's a way to just release maybe some tension they brought from home, from right. home stress, yeah. to right. uh, release some stress that, oh, okay, I'm here at work now. What, mm-hmm. What's this going to be? And just kind of center yourself to be present. Right. Um, that's the other thing that meditation helps you to be is to be present, not just stuck in the past and thinking about things that will happen or worried about what could happen, what might happen, right. how happen. am I going to deal with this? Just totally focused on what's right before me and doing the best that I can, as professional as I can, yeah. Yeah. As, do as much good as I can in the moment. And, and it's a really minutes. effective program. I wish every agency I do too. Like and that. it's 10 minutes. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. anybody can find 10 minutes. Yeah. Start exactly. with 10 minutes because if you... If once you realize the benefit of, of meditation, even with 10 minutes, you're going to want to do 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Our mission at Responder Wellness, Inc. is to subsidize or provide free of charge safety equipment and wellness services to first responders, including police officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and 911 operators throughout Connecticut. Resources include scholarships to train new EMTs, a responder and veteran-only AA group in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as police vests, a fire and EMS boot program, 
program, yoga classes, gym memberships, and t-shirts. The founder of Responder Wellness, Inc. co-leads a peer support group sponsored by Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. Responder Wellness, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3. Find us on the web at responderwellness.org, on Facebook at Responder Wellness, Inc., or email us, responderwellness at gmail.com. Responder Wellness, Inc., putting responders first. So switching gears just a little bit, Dan, um, those are great tools We know that first responders tend to be friends with their brothers and sisters from work or their volunteer agency, right? It becomes a huge part of your social life. But I was wondering if you could touch on why it's important to have friends outside your agency and your department and and hobbies. It's really vital because our closest friends do tend to be the ones that we spend 12, 13, 14 hours a day with and, and go through such extreme experiences with and everything. Which is great. You know, have those be your close friends, but also have close friends outside of law enforcement or, or the fire service as well. Because what that will do is it will help keep you uh, to have a, a uh, balanced perspective on life. Because when we just hang around our brothers and sisters that we serve with all the time, we tend to be very, very negative. I, I mean, First responders about the most negative people I've ever seen in my life, which I I, I don't get. You guys are doing the greatest job in the world, protecting life and serving your country. But uh, we tend to be just so negative and cynical and frustrated about things Uh uh, and caustic. Uh, And when you're around other people, that kind of helps you realize that's not really the world. I mean, only about 2% of the people in the the population are crooks. We, We think, Every single person is a crook, and everyone needs to be in, in prison. Well, right. maybe just 1% or 2% are out there committing the vast majority of the crimes. So it really keeps us balanced on, on a uh, more constructive worldview. Uh, I'm not saying to ignore the negative and stuff like that, but you got to have the other side, or it, it takes you down that dark rabbit hole. So, Dan, um, you touched on this earlier, and you talk about it quite a bit in the book, and it's something that on this show we're um, we're actually doing a mini-documentary episode about, and that's spirituality. Can you talk about this idea that's in your book? I believe that as first responders dealing constantly with life, death, evil, and good, the concept of a universal presence of goodness or the guiding hand of God is often inescapable. Absolutely. Uh, when I look back over my 30-year career and all those experiences that you just mentioned, uh, I, I deeply believe that uh, in the ultimate power of good, that good always ultimately prevails, and that whatever uh, creates life and sustains life and empowers the good in people whatever enables someone to do, which is against our own maybe self-interest of survival, to, to want to willingly willingly sacrifice ourselves to save another life or for the good. Uh, I mean, that goes beyond human intellect, that there's a, 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 a force that's within us that mm-hmm. is our capacity to do good. And there's also the influence. There's a lot of evil out there as well. But uh, what is far more powerful is the good that's within us. And the more that we can affirm 
that good and that reality that, that there is something beyond us that is acting for our own uh, benefit, for our own fulfillment, for our own purposes, that's beyond our selfish self-interest, um, the more meaning we're going to have in, in this job that is dealing with life and death you know, every day. You're, I just wanted to, um, you know, your, your book, and I can, I mean, I know you probably have the picture of it, David, but um, this, you know, this is the second edition. I just want to make sure it's right there. Um, what I find about this book, because I, I have read a lot of books um, that are written, you know, for first responders or maybe, and then just a few that are written for the families of first responders. But I find that your book is um, really the most comprehensive when it comes to, you know, how do you, how do you survive this job emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually? And, you know, it's very comprehensive in the sense that you mention, um, you know, there's a chapter for the, the family, um, support from home. There's peer, there's a peer support chapter, stress management skills, examples or stories of other first responders and, you know, how they have coped. PTSD as a brain injury, not a disorder necessarily, but like, you know, being exposed to trauma, how that injures the brain. Um, but by far, you know, what stands out about your book is that it mentions spiritual wellness. I don't really see that in other books. And that I find is really refreshing. And it's what's missing, to be honest. Because and I think it's the most vital component yes, yeah. of resilience and wellness. So why do you think it's not really mentioned in the, you know, 20 some odd other popular books on how to survive a career as a fighter fighter, how to survive a career as a paramedic or as a police officer. Why do you think it's missing? I think part of it is when people hear spirituality, I think their brain automatically goes to religion. Uh -huh. And you have all the issues of you know, who's religion, what religion and, and doctrine or whatever. And, okay. Uh, so can you I, clarify all of that? Yes. And say, yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> right. Your, your inner spirit is your capacity to, to be and do good, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be helpful, to be resilient, to be well. Um, and trauma affects your inner spirit more than anything else. And your capacity, uh, we talked about just mm -hmm. shutting down, being emotionally numb, being callous, just not caring about anyone. Uh, right. or anything um, that is a spiritually unhealthy person that has nothing to do with religion if you happen to have a faith I don't care what it is that can enhance your spiritual wellness mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of, of uh, first responders may have had that in their upbringing and that maybe lose it um, I always say use it as just another tool right but you don't have to have a religion you don't have to have a faith to practice spiritual wellness because true uh, spirituality, spiritual wellness is, is the, basically using to the full the capacity of your heart to use its, its power to, to do good, to keep you well, to keep you motivated, to keep you inspired, um, to help you uh, keep a proper perspective, uh -huh. to help you do meaningful things um, with a compassionate and a, and a giving heart. Because that's what gives meaning to life. You know, when, you ever been around somebody who was a, a, had terminal cancer or was about to die? They're not wishing they worked more, right? Or, or, or was a captain instead of lieutenant? They're, they're, they're wishing they were a better father. 
They're wishing that they were maybe a better wife or a husband. They're wishing that they could have done more. They're wishing they could have helped that person back then when, when you didn't, when you were indifferent or you didn't care or whatever. I mean, those are people's biggest regrets at the end mm-hmm. of life. And right. it's really the spirit and spirituality that gives us purpose and meaning. And if you don't have purpose and meaning in this work, you're really right. going to struggle. I think going back to the compassion practice and the meditation, you can also tie spirituality into that. Um, I know for myself, every morning when I meditate, I have a spiritual practice that I pair with it. And because I'm doing a lot in the world, I ask for guidance and strength to do everything as it's meant to be, you know, use me as your vessel. And I feel that there are small ways you can infuse spirituality into different parts of your day you know, coupling everything else you're talking about too. Absolutely. And it's really, again, at the basic is uh, something that is enhancing your inner spirit, right? So enhancing your ability to be loving, to be useful and helpful and and to do some good, to Mm. affirm the good. That's what spirituality really is. And if, and as long as it's not mentioned in ways to survive this profession, people are going to really struggle. Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to deal with trauma and stuff and EMDR and to heal and to recover. Mm -hmm. But if this other component about what really is the basis for a meaning and fulfilling for life and career is, is lacking, then we're still going to really be struggling. It's um, yeah. It seems to come back to the heart and the reason we got into this profession in the first place and um, how we see a lot of our colleagues disconnecting from that. And um, Dan, you've provided a roadmap to help us reconnect with that. So um, the book is Bulletproof Spirit. And I'm wondering, is it used as curriculum in any academies? We did mention the FBI um, Academy, but anywhere else? Or is it out there being used by departments? Like what, how how are people using the book? It is being used extensively. There's been over 27,000 copies. um, all, all over the world, um, in, in fact, and the academies are using it. Actually, in August, I have um, an abridged version coming out that's more tailored specifically for new police officers to be used by academies. It's, it's much shorter, um, and that's called Police Resilience. So, yes, it's getting out, and I travel the country giving a training. Uh, if anyone's interested, they can contact me, and I can come out to your agency or your region and provide training based on the wellness and resilience principles that are within the book. But like you said, it's, it's all about the heart. And in order to keep our heart from suffocating, which is what trauma does in this profession, we've got to put our heart in our work to keep it healthy and vibrant and alive. Thank you very much, Dan, for all of your thoughts and your wisdom. We really appreciate it. I know Stacy and I, David as well, we're going to keep uh, talking about this book too. Uh-huh. Um, it's just such a great resource. Um, so I really thank you. Uh, thank you guys very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. I think it should be required reading in, in every first responder academy out there. Not only for the recruits, but for their families. And um, hopefully someday that'll be the case. Thank you. And if anyone wants any information about it or the training, then go to firstresponderwellness.com. Perfect. Yeah, we have your website there. I'd like to remind everybody to like and subscribe. Our YouTube channel is Responder Resilience. We're on Facebook, Responder Wellness, Inc. 
is the page. We're also on bbsradio.com, Apple Podcasts, and our website with all our past episodes and more is respondertv.com. Till the next episode, on behalf of Bonnie, Stacy, stay safe, be kind to yourself. Take care.